0: Welcome to the 3Ps of Cancer podcast, where we'll discuss prevention, preparedness, and progress in cancer treatments and research. Brought to you by the University of Michigan Robo Cancer Center. I'm Scott Redding. We're here with Michigan Medicine Plastic Surgeon, Dr. Adeza Momo, to talk about breast reconstruction. Adeza is an Associate Professor in the Department of Surgery and is a Residency Program Director for the Plastic Surgery Division. He specializes in breast reconstruction with an interest in microsurgical reconstruction using perforator flaps. Welcome, Adeza. Thank
1: you, thank you. Let's just kind of start off with
0: when a patient has a mastectomy,
1: what are the reconstruction options? So um, in today's uh, day and age, there are quite a few options that are available to uh, women who are undergoing mastectomy as part of their treatment for breast cancer. Um, We talk about quite a few things. Usually these consultations require a little bit of time. Here at the University of Michigan, there is a multidisciplinary uh, breast care center where patients have the opportunity to meet multiple specialists, ranging from their breast oncologic surgeons to medical oncologists, radiation oncologists, social workers, and plastic surgeons as uh, part of the team. Uh, There's a lot of information patients get in these times, and so we try to spend enough time to provide information in as simple a way as possible so that patients can absorb as much as as is possible. We also provide a lot of information in written packets that patients can take home and spend time uh, going through and uh, digesting. So the question related to the types of reconstruction is just one part of uh, the conversations we have, but it's a good part of it. Uh, We try to do the best we can to provide as many options as is possible to patients, given the specifics of their disease and what they're gonna be going through for treatment, whether it's radiation therapy, chemotherapy, given that we will provide all, in general, all options that are available, and then have the patient decide on what seems to work best for them and their lifestyle. The idea in this sense is to have a shared uh, decision-making process where we don't necessarily just tell patients what it is they're gonna have, but give the option of choosing uh, what seems to work best for them uh, specifically. From the standpoint of types of reconstruction, I would usually tell patients that they range from implant-based forms of reconstruction, which are somewhat, some of the simplest forms of reconstruction options that we provide, to purely tissue-based options of reconstruction, which tend to be the more complex uh, way of uh, providing reconstruction. And I say complex because it requires a certain amount of expertise, but in centers like the University of Michigan where high volumes of these cases are performed, they end up being relatively straightforward because we have a lot of experience with with, with these cases. From the standpoint of implant-based forms of reconstruction, One of the things I like to point out to patients is that, to get a completed result with reconstruction, it's usually not a single procedure. With mastectomies or things like lumpectomies, it's typically one single procedure. You get the entire breast out, or you get clear margins from excision of a tumor, and you're done with the surgical procedure and move on to other aspects of your care. With reconstruction, I usually like to tell patients that it is more of a process than a single procedure. So every patient who's getting a reconstruction would anticipate that they may undergo two, three, sometimes four procedures to get from start to finish. And the process itself could take as long as a year.
0: Tell me more about these multiple procedures. And, and I ask that because I've also heard that you can also get uh, reconstruction the same
1: time you have your mastectomy as well. Yes. That gets into the uh, subject of the timing of reconstruction. Reconstruction can either be initiated at the time of a mastectomy, which we term immediate reconstruction, or it can be uh, initiated after certain aspects of treatment have been completed. For instance, a patient can undergo a mastectomy uh, followed by chemotherapy and radiation, and months later, or even years later, can then initiate the process of reconstruction, and so we would consider that a delayed reconstruction. There are multiple reasons to either have uh, an immediate versus a delayed reconstruction, but I would say in the United States today, most patients, especially with early stage disease, um, if possible, are very interested in immediate reconstruction because I, I, I would imagine that most women don't want to live without a breast if they can avoid it.
0: With That immediate reconstruction, you mentioned that it's a process and it could take, you know, a couple of surgeries and could take up to a
1: year for it. Is that still the case of an immediate reconstruction as well? Yes. It's the case for immediate or delayed reconstructions because multiple things need to be done to get to a final result. So, for instance, with uh, the implant reconstructions that I mentioned as some of the simpler ways to... Uh, achieve a reconstructed breast, the stages could include, um, at the time of the mastectomy, we would uh, either place a tissue expander for stretching out skin and uh, soft tissue to accommodate an implant, or in certain cases, we could actually place a full implant at the time of the mastectomy. Either of those two things achieve a stable breast mound, uh, but in future procedures, certain things might need to be done to improve on the result it could be scar revisions it could be things like what we uh, like fat grafting to address areas of contour uh, irregularities or deformities it could be things like nipple reconstructions it could be changes to the implant pockets just to improve on symmetry and the appearance of the reconstructed breast so the subsequent procedures vary depending on the type of reconstruction and the specific needs of the patient But typically, to get a final result that the patient is happy with that comes as close as possible to a natural-looking result, a few additional procedures might need to be done. What I'd like to say, though, is that the first operation done at the time of the mastectomy is typically the largest operation. It's typically the most involved and requires the, um, I guess, the longest recovery from the standpoint of the patient everything after that that are additional surgical procedures tend to be smaller, shorter outpatient procedures, and patients bounce back pretty quickly from, from those procedures. And I, in general, I'd say most of the time patients don't have to take as much time off of work and away from their families for the subsequent procedures.
0: You talked about probably, and I hate to use the word easy or simple, but um, the implants reconstruction kind of being that, that level. What kind of implants are there and is that kind of the more common type of procedure women get?
1: Yes. Uh, in, the, in the United States today, um, I would estimate that 70 to maybe 80 percent of women undergoing immediate breast reconstruction after mastectomies are having implants placed. Multiple studies have shown that uh, the proportion of implants placed nationwide are much higher than um, tissue-based forms of reconstruction, and this happens from for multiple reasons. One of these reasons is patient choice. Patients do have options, and they may choose to have implant reconstructions uh, for for good reason. Others could be access to reconstructive surgeons who offer a full uh, gamut or. A full set of options for reconstruction. Some plastic surgeons or reconstructive surgeons only offer implant reconstructions just based on their location and the resources that might be uh, available to them, which might include um, uh, expertise uh, to perform more complex uh, reconstructive uh, procedures. Patients might want to get back to work quickly. Patients might want to get back to their families quickly. And Will choose options for reconstruction that meet their specific needs. So, from that standpoint, for multiple reasons, implant-based breast reconstructions are most common. Free tissue transfers or tissue-based forms of reconstruction end up being about 20 percent, maybe at the b- at best 30 percent of the reconstructions. And um, again, could be influenced by patient choice. Some patients. At absolutely don't want any foreign bodies utilized for their reconstruction, other things that could influence that decision would primarily be having enough tissue to be able to achieve a reconstruction of sufficient size based on patient's uh, desires. Patients occasionally might not be healthy enough to go through longer, uh, more complex procedures, and in that setting may opt for implant reconstructions. And so as you you go through the discussions with patients, you get specific information from each individual woman about what they care about, what is important to them. And it starts to become a little, it it becomes apparent what might work best. And ultimately, patients make the choice that works for them. And in general, most patients are very satisfied with the choice they've decided upon uh, as far as a reconstruction type. Goes.
0: You'd mentioned making sure there's enough tissue to achieve the um, size of, of breasts that they either currently have or, or we're looking to have when they're, yes. they're done. From an implant standpoint, you know the various different implants. What what kind are there, and and do those uh, how do those adjust
1: differently for that situation? In general, there are. Two types of uh, implants. There are many more types of implants, but just from a simple stand, from a simplistic standpoint, we would typically say there are uh, Im- um, silicone implants versus saline implants, and that refers to the fill or the the material that's within the shell of the implants. All implants are made of um, a silicone shell. And one of the differences between the silicone versus saline implants, or the big difference between the silicone and saline implants, has to do with the fact that saline implants are filled with salt water and the silicone implants are filled with a gel. We talked a lot about implants.
0: What exactly is microsurgical reconstruction and perforator flaps?
1: Microsurgery is a... Technique in uh, utilizing plastic surgery across the board that gives us an ability to transfer tissue from one place in the body. It could be uh, soft tissue or even bone from one part of the body to another part of the body with its own blood supply for uses, for, typically for uses of reconstruction. Uh, microsurgery is applied in, in, in cases of trauma and in, in things like soft tissue reconstructions after oncologic or cancer resections in breast reconstruction we utilize microsurgery the microsurgical techniques to transfer soft tissue from other parts of the body like the lower abdomen the thighs or the gluteal region to reconstruct a breast the freedom we have with microsurgery has um, revolutionized our approaches to reconstruction of the breast so that we can take tissue from distant sites that are really far away from the chest and actually bring a good amount of tissue that could weigh as much as a 1,000 grams or more to reconstruct a breast of any size, depending on what's desired by the patient.
0: So so this is to the mention earlier about actually using tissue for reconstruction. Yes. These are where those come in.
1: Yes. In the past, techniques we were limited to for um, tissue-based reconstruction were called pedicled flaps. Pedicled flaps were soft tissue flaps that were located in regions of the body that were close to the chest. So, for instance, we would be able to take skin and muscle, skin, fat, and muscle from the back, leave it attached to its blood supply, and rotate it around to the chest and shape it into the form of a breast. Same thing with the abdomen. We would take skin and fat with some muscle attached to its blood supply and rotate it to the chest or to, uh, to to uh, shape a new breast nowadays we stopped do we, we don't do that as much um, those techniques are still possible however we've evolved and progressed to a point where we're able to take skin fat blood vessels with very little muscle um, in most cases we take no muscle at all we disconnect the blood supply we find a new blood supply on the ch- in the chest and under a microscope we are able to put ends of arteries together and ends of veins together. So now this tissue that's been transferred has a new blood supply or a new source of blood supply where blood gets into the into the soft tissue and out of the soft tissue and it lives in its new location. That freedom allows us to go from the distant places like even the thighs, for instance, and take just what we need uh, for the reconstruction without causing too much injury or compromise to the site where we take the soft tissue,
0: the microsurgical and the tissue form of reconstruction seems to be a little bit more. You've referred to it a few times as, as complex, more complex uh, than implant. So, outside of that aspect, what what are some pros and cons uh, between the two options of you know uh, some sort of a tissue uh, compared to an implant?
1: In comparing the two forms, two basic forms of uh, reconstruction, I typically would say that um, as I had mentioned a little earlier, that implant uh, forms of reconstruction are relatively easy, not just from the surgical standpoint for the, for the surgeon, but also for the patient because there's just one surgical site, which is the breast. Um, there will be one scar, typically, and um, the breast will be the surgical site with no other parts of the body having to heal. Postoperative pain tends to be less with implants, and patients tend to recover a little faster postoperatively. The downside uh, to implants in many cases is that they are not your own tissue, and so they do not behave like your own tissue. Um, They are prone to a certain set of complications, one of them early on after surgery being infections. And if a patient has an infection with an implant, we do a lot of things to try to prevent that and decrease the rate of infections, We do a lot of things to try to save reconstructions in patients who develop infections. However, in many cases we're unable to do that and the end result of an infection with an implant typically is a loss of the reconstruction with us having to take out an implant and leave a patient without a breast mound for a while before we try uh, to initiate the reconstruction again. The other things that are potentially problematic with implants are that implants require maintenance over time. Implants can rupture and um, implants can also have capsular contractures that in the worst case scenarios cause pain to the patient. And if any of those things are happening years down the road, it could be a few decades down the road, patients may need surgical procedures to address these problems. The other end of the uh, spectrum with uh, free tissue transfers, they are longer procedures and so they require longer recoveries from the patient. The patients are usually healing from uh, two operative sites, one being the breast and the other being the donor site where we got where we harvest soft tissue for the reconstruction. Recovery is a little longer. Um, most patients after about six weeks of recovery would be at about 80% back to normal, but not exactly 100%. But in general, over a few more weeks, patients get back to 100%. And the ultimate goal is to get patients back to doing what they were doing before, which is possible with both techniques. Upsides of using uh, free tissue transfers or patients' own tissues for reconstruction is that, one, it's the cl- closest we can get to a natural appearing and natural feeling breast for reconstruction. Even in cases of a unilateral reconstruction, which means one side is reconstructed, we're very easily able to match the natural breast with tissue transfer from the patient's own body. The second issue is that there is very little to no maintenance of this reconstruction after it's done. After all the stages are done, typically um, you don't have issues of uh, rupture or capsule contracture that patients have to deal with with implants many years down the road. With this, not much needs to be done. Patients can gain weight and lose weight, and the flap will behave like the rest of the body, gaining weight and losing weight with them. And then the final thing that I want to point out as a difference between these two forms of uh, reconstruction is in breast reconstruction, we've come to a place where our goal, like I kind of alluded to, was to return patients to the quality of life and the kinds of things that they were doing before they had the diagnosis of breast cancer or had to deal with uh, mastectomy and reconstruction. And so quality of life is a big driver um, in determining what is best for patients. We've done uh, large studies uh, from multiple centers uh, in the United States looking at how patients do from a quality of life standpoint and from the standpoint of satisfaction with their reconstructions over time after the reconstruction is completed. And what we found is patients with either implants or tissue-based forms of reconstruction are relatively happy with uh, the results they get early on after a reconstruction, but over time, when you get to be about a year or two years into life out uh, after the reconstruction, we found that the satisfaction with implant reconstructions tends to diminish, while the satisfaction or uh, with tissue-based forms of reconstruction tends to be maintained over time. So. That is something real uh, that patients need to consider, and it doesn't mean patients will pick one thing versus another just based on that. However, it's something else they need to know about when making the decision uh, for breast reconstruction.
0: Well, uh, my mom is a breast cancer survivor, and she had a unilateral mastectomy and had reconstruction at the same time, and had an implant, and I know probably about a year or so down the road, she complained, was complaining because it didn't feel natural and mm-hmm. it was harder and yeah. so forth. And and um, then there was some potential for her other breast. So she had uh, mastectomy and at that time. She had uh, the other one redone. and She did had uh, the, the deep flap procedure done. But uh, again, it was uh, to your point where you were saying, you know, down the road, some of the implants and you know, my mom was one that did have that. Yes. you know, just was not comfortable. It didn't feel like it was her own type of a thing.
1: Yes. And I mean, I I think that's real. With most of the things we talk about with reconstruction, we're trying to see the big picture in the sense that we're dealing with uh, thousands and thousands of patients. And the experiences for every patient is a little different. However, in general, in general, I think it's safe to say that uh, tissue-based forms of, uh, uh, of reconstruction tend to do better from the standpoint of the way they feel, um, and their ability to match up to a natural breast on the the other side. Patients' happiness and satisfaction with these forms of reconstruction have been shown to be relatively superior, uh, especially when we start talking about patients who are undergoing things like radiation therapy, which is another nuance of um, our considerations for reconstructive options in these cancer patients.
0: Let's talk a little bit more about that. You just mentioned um, radiation patients. How does chemotherapy or radiation affect one form or another of the reconstruction?
1: Some of the things that are done for cancer care that are meant to eradicate uh, residual disease that might either be um, in the vicinity of the breast or at distant sites across the body would include chemotherapy for one and then radiation. Um, Chemotherapy, the one thing that chemotherapy does for all surgery is it decreases the body's ability to fight off um, infections, and it also decreases uh, the body's ability to heal. So for most of the things that we would do from a surgical standpoint, we would wait until chemotherapy is completed and wait some time after chemotherapy is completed so that the body can recover and bounce back and be able to fend off infections or, and heal when we operate. So chemotherapy itself is not as big a problem for reconstruction because all we do is we just wait till it's done and the body bounces back and we're able to do everything we were able to do before. Radiation's a little bit of a different story in the sense that radiation is meant to help, if you wanna think of it as clean up whatever might be residual in the chest region uh, where the breast was, whatever residual disease might exist in the, in the chest region, it's very effective. And it has been shown to decrease uh, recurrence of disease and help with the eradication of disease uh, of, of breast cancer. The downside to it is it not only targets or eradicates the breast cancer cells, it also causes injury to the soft tissue in the region that is exposed to the radiation. So skin... Um, subcutaneous uh, fat tissue, muscles, bones are all affected by, the, by radiation. The radiation oncologists have done a phenomenal job in fine-tuning their techniques, So, especially with CT guidance, so that uh, vital organs in the area, for instance, the heart and the lungs, are not uh, directly affected by radiation as they used to be in the past. So those are significant improvements. However, from a reconstructive standpoint, the things that we are very interested in are skin and soft tissue, uh, the muscles, and the blood vessels in the area, and all of those things are affected by radiation. The radiation affects things essentially for the lifetime of the patient. Um, The effects of radiation do not go away uh, completely. So early on after radiation, patients will have effects that look like a bad sunburn that actually get better over time. But then there are long-term effects to the soft tissue that do not go away. The skin does not stretch as easy, so it loses some of its elastic content or ability. The soft tissue sometimes does not heal as well. The patients are prone to things like infections. And so when you operate, all of a sudden, the these patients who are radiated are at increased risks for postoperative complications. And so patients need to understand that when they're going into reconstruction after being radiated. And we try to select our reconstructive techniques based on this, given that we know that the outcomes and potential complications with uh, certain techniques are better than others. Uh, The techniques that tend to work better happen to be the soft tissue forms of reconstruction. So the free tissue transfers specifically do a lot better with uh, radiation. Multiple uh, studies have been performed looking at the radiated patients to understand what works best in them, and complication rates, failure rates tend to be very high in patients who undergo implant-based forms of reconstruction. Aesthetic results of implant reconstructions also uh, suffer quite a bit when patients have been radiated. A lot of these things are potentially avoided and overcome by using uh, patients' own tissue for reconstruction. This is a key point that needs to be discussed and understood when considering options for reconstruction. Earlier, you'd mentioned nipple reconstruction. Can you talk a little bit
0: more about nipple and areola reconstruction? And is that part of the normal process um, with the the breast reconstruction?
1: Yes, yes. Um, When I um, previously talked about the stages of reconstruction and the multiple stages that are required, typically, um, Nipple reconstructions tend to be one of the latter stages, uh, towards the end of the reconstructive process. For skin-sparing mastectomies, the nipple and nipple areola complex, in addition to the breast tissue, is usually taken away uh, as part of the cancer resection. The skin envelope is left behind, and so we are able to create, recreate a breast mound with a skin envelope, but typically in these scenarios, uh, the breast is without a nipple. Many women these days get very comfortable with the idea of having breasts that don't have nipples because they can wear clothing and without having to wear a bra and worry about the projection of the nipple. In general, from the reconstructive standpoint, the breast does not sometimes seem as complete without nipples. And so, in general, this is an option that is offered to patients. Not all patients want it, but it's offered. Nipple reconstructions typically would involve Uh, local tissue rearrangement. I would typically describe this as a kind of origami of the breast skin. It's skin in the area that is uh, incised and elevated and folded to create uh, nipple, bud. procedures are very short and can be performed under local anesthesia. Once that heals, we're then able to either tattoo the color of the nipple areola complex Around that reconstructed nipple, or in uh, in in the past, one of the things that could have been that was done and might and is still done by uh, many plastic surgeons is to uh, take a skin graft from another part of the body with a different color and texture and use that to design the nipple areola complex. So you have that color contrast, texture contrast that is relatively natural for a nipple. Over the past few years. Another development has uh, occurred, which is the 3D nipple tattoo. There are specific tattoo artists across the country that have specialized in, uh, have exclusively specialized in this and do a really great job. As I mentioned, some women do not like the idea of having a projecting uh, nipple, especially for certain clothing, and so the option of a 3D nipple tattoo is another great one where the impression of projecting nipple can be created by a tattoo artist without an actual projecting uh, nipple uh, i've had i i've had a good number of patients uh, do this and i'm very impressed by the results and so it, it's just another option that is available to women who might not want the traditional nipple reconstruction but can also get um, the appearance of a nipple reconstruction from a from an established tattoo artist you just
0: mentioned that uh, some women don't necessarily want to, to have the, the the nipple due to clothing or due to the projection, um, and they maybe go down the path of of a tattoo. It brings me to a, a thought of when you first meet with the patients and you're talking about their options. Um, are there some women that are, you know, saying that I want? larger breasts. I want smaller breasts. I want, you know, it all seems to be geared around what the patient wants, which is great. But, you know, d- does that come up often as well?
1: It does come up. Um, just uh, going back uh, a few steps, reconstruction is one of those things that we feel patients, ne- all patients need to know about. Um, and there are laws in the United States that have been put in place to make that a possibility. Laws that state that, uh insurance companies should pay for reconstruction, and patients should understand their options and those kinds of things. But the reality is some patients don't want reconstruction. And so in general, our discussions first start off with, okay, these are the options. However, an option is not to have reconstruction at all. Now, when we go down the path of patients who do want reconstruction, the consultation many times can last as long as 40 minutes to a full hour going over a lot of details and nuances that might be relevant uh, to a specific patient. And size is one of those issues. It's usually a good thing to understand what size a patient is at the beginning. And you can get that sense from just asking about uh, bra size. Um, you can get a sense of that also by the examination. Um, but in the conversation, the old, the, the other part of the things that we want to know is what does a patient want out of the rec- what size the patient want out of the reconstruction, and it's usually the patients will give you specific cup size that they, that exists right now and what they would like to be. So it could be that they want to be a cup size or two larger, it could be that they want to be exactly the same, and it could be that they want to be smaller. Understanding that helps you kind of tailor the conversation, it helps you tailor your discussions on techniques that might best help them achieve those results. But It's very variable from the standpoint of the size that any specific woman might be interested in. And the reality is specifically in things like um, unilateral reconstructions, we can make the reconstructed breast a different size from the natural one, and in subsequent operations, or sometimes at the primary or first operation, we can adjust the natural breast either by making it slightly smaller, which would be a reduction, just lifting it up and maintaining the same size, which would be a breast lift or a mastopexy, or making it larger, which, in, which would specifically be a breast augmentation. So there, we have a lot of freedom in what we can do to try to achieve symmetry. We have a lot of freedom in what we can do to achieve the size a patient wants. And so the key thing is just getting a sense of what a patient wants and then tailoring the reconstructive options and approach to achieve that.
0: Well, the days, Thank you for all the wonderful information. I think it's, it's very helpful, and it's, again, helping to uh, get that education out there of, of all the different options and what patients should know and expect. If we were to have one key takeaway as we wrap up, what, what would that be?
1: The big takeaway um, for women who are, either have a diagnosis of breast cancer or even have a predisposition for cancer and undergoing mastectomies, Um, The big takeaway would be that they have options. You have options, and uh, those options should be explored. Uh, If you do not want reconstruction, that is an option. But in the case that you do want reconstruction, there are so many options uh, that are available to you. The key thing is to meet with a a reconstructive surgeon, uh, discuss your uh, specific concerns and interests, and come up with a uh, reconstructive plan uh, that suits your needs. Uh, Another key thing that I would like to emphasize is that reconstruction is absolutely covered uh, by your insurance companies. By your insurance, you should not have to pay for reconstruction. um, And so do not let that be a deterrent to exploring uh, reconstruction after mastectomies.
0: Great. Thank you again. Thank you for listening. And tell us what you think of this podcast by rating and reviewing us. If you have suggestions for additional topics, you can send them to cancercenter at med.umich.edu or message us on Twitter at umrogocancer. You can continue to explore the three P's of cancer by visiting rogocancercenter.org.